morning. Good to see you in church this morning on this cold February morning, but it's sunny. Thank the Lord for that. That's good. Good to see everybody here. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Lord, for this new day you've given to us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for your guidance. Thank you for the privilege we have to pray. We pray you be with us throughout this day, helping every part of our services today in every aspect. And help us to be people with hearts of gratitude and faith and know that you answer prayer and that you love us. You love us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, continuing with our studies in Romans. Today's lesson, the Christian and civil authorities. Yes, and we see a breakdown in people's uh, respect for civil authority in our world today, in our country. I think it has something to do with what's going on in our schools and how we're teaching our children about the greatness of American history. It's not flawless, but it is a great history. And there are many things to learn about. It. This is Washington's birthday coming up, President's Day tomorrow. We have many things to be thankful for in our nation. We see other countries where things are going on that are outrageous and ungodly. Our key verse in our lesson today, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Chapter 13 of Romans, verse 1, and we are in Romans 13, verses 1 through 14. Brother Dutry will be teaching us this morning from those verses. The central truth of the lesson, God has ordained government, governmental authorities for our good. There's something to be learned here in this lesson. George Washington wrote, while just government protects all in their religious rights, true religion affords government its surest support. Then there's actually a quote here from Pope Leo XIII. It says, the highest duty is to respect authority. And then there's another quote here. After what I owe to God, nothing should be more dear or more sacred than the love and respect I owe to my country. After what you, what you owe to God. All right, let's sing a patriotic song this morning. My country, tis of thee, number 757. <clears throat> number 757.
King. Amen. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you for your singing. All right. <coughs> Birthdays and anniversaries. We have one birthday, Abe Snyder. Let's remember Abe. And uh, happy birthday to Abe Snyder. Went to see my sister yesterday. Her birthday is, I think, today. And went to see her in Altoona in the nursing home. So that was good. We had a little visit and ate some pizza and talked and so forth. So thank you for your prayers for Mary. She's going to have knee surgery one of these days in March, God willing. All right. Announcements. The uh, Bus and Outreach Convention, March 5 through 7. New Columbia Revival here with Reverend Joe Smith, March 12 through 17. Other upcoming events is IHC in Gatlinburg, April 9 through 11. Mount of Blessings Cleanup Day, June 1st. God's Missionary Youth Camp, June 10 through 14. Next thing you know, these things will be happening. And then Mount Blessings Camp, June 28th to July 7. Yes. All right. And in April, Bernice and I are going to go see the cherry blossoms in D.C. <laughs> We've never, I've never really done that sort of thing, so that's nice. It's one of our dates coming up. Um, Requests and prayer this morning. Let's remember Stephen Aaron and Louis Ray Hoover pastoring there at Shemokin's God's Missionary Church. Okay, that's our church to remember this morning. And all those on the back of our, your bulletin, many names of physical needs. And... Uh, Let's remember those whose names are there. We all have these situations, don't we, where we have physical needs. Let's remember each other. We need prayer. And you never know when something's going to come upon you and uh, affect you physically. So let's remember each other, one another in prayer. Just keep remembering Jerry this morning who went through a procedure this week. Just a lot of names on there. Sister Arend, good to have her there this morning. Henry, too. And uh, the Beechels, David and Linda. Charlie Bowser, Craig Berkey, Mary DiStefano, Matt Ferguson, Doris Hoffman, Mar Marlon Kohler, Donna Condash and son, Reese Litchfield, Jacinda Mason, yes, with her broken arm. Rhonda Maurer, Joy McDonald had heart surgery. Hudson Miller, Susan Nyman. George Pardo, Paul and Marlene Smith. Ray Stahl and Anna Stolzfus. Just so many people that we need to... Let's remember them this morning. Any requests you want to mention out loud this morning? Any other requests? And upraised hands, yes, indeed. The Lord knows all about it. 
Yes, indeed, knows every detail. Shall we stand together and pray together this morning? Thank you, Lord, for this new day you've given to us. We're thankful for your provident care. Lord, it's evidenced over and over again of your provident care for us. We pray you'll undertake for every name on the back of this bulletin and every upraised hand, Lord, that's been acknowledged that you know every detail of every need. We thank you for that. We pray you'll undertake and help, help our pastors today. And Lord, move among every classroom in our church this morning. Give wisdom and understanding and spiritual strength to each one of our teachers and instructors this morning. Be with Brother Dutry as he brings his lesson to us this morning. Helping the offerings today, helping the special music, helping the preaching. And Lord, for every event that we've mentioned this morning, coming up in the future, our revival, IHC, everything, Lord, that's coming up in the near future and the far future. Help us to be praying one for another concerning these. Every upraised hand, Lord, means something important, means perhaps many years of prayer, long-range prayer, detailed prayer, sometimes agonizing prayer. We pray, O oh God, you'll undertake for every need. We know you're abundantly able. We pray that you'll be with us in every part of our service again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have the offering at this time. And let's be praying for Brother Dutry. This morning. Good morning. Good to see you here this morning to worship the Lord. Glad for the beautiful day outside. My, oh my. Uh, if you're going to have a winter day, let it be like this. You know, with the snow already on the ground and the sun shining, uh, that, that's the weather for me. I appreciate the song this morning, Brother Stefano. It, it, um, that song brought back many memories. I wouldn't even have time to tell you all of them, probably, but uh, at least it would take a while. But the one I thought of uh, <clears throat> when I first went to school, 
um, prayer and Bible reading had already been taken out. I believe that was 1962, uh, if I'm thinking correctly. And I, was, I think it was 66 when I went to school. So prayer and Bible reading were already gone as far as the standard for school. But uh, we used to sing that song. I remember, I believe it was maybe the second grade, somewhere in there. We sang, My Country, Tis of Thee, every morning after the pledge to the flag. And we sang two verses. We sang the, the first one and the last one. Our Father's God to thee. We sang that. So very obviously that little chubby old lady that I had in uh, for second grade still had some, some biblical principles at least and uh, did what she could, what she was allowed to do. So thank the Lord for that. And uh, before we get into the lesson, I also want to thank you for praying for our son-in-law, Joshua. Uh, he did get home this week. Uh, that was a month-long adventure, let me tell you. He was way back, way back in the bush in Canada. In fact, so far back in that you cannot get there in the summertime except by flight. In the wintertime, you can get there by driving because everything's frozen over. So you can drive right across the lakes. Uh, they actually build, build the roads by snow in the wintertime. And that's how you get there. Uh, it, it's a tough way to get in and a tough way to get out, but you can do it. And then to make things worse, uh, one of the members of their party was very, very ill. And so they, they tried to get out for over a week and couldn't get out. And so finally they did get a break this week just for a few hours. They were able to get out and get back home. So thank the Lord for that. So appreciate your prayers. All right. Today we have a very interesting lesson. Uh, I suppose uh, we, as many people as are here in this sanctuary this morning. That's how many opinions we'd have when it comes to this lesson uh, about uh, Christian and civil authorities. There's a lot of things we could talk about today. We could discuss uh, probably for hours some of these things uh, that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, the key verse, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Romans 13, 1. Uh, very, very interesting verse. We'll talk about it in a little bit. I want to start <clears throat> this morning with a few questions for us to think about. Now, I'm not going to answer these questions and I'm not going to necessarily have you answer these questions unless you really feel like you should, and then you're welcome to. Uh, but I want us to think about them as we go through this lesson today. Uh, first of all, as Christians, how do we deal with authority? How do we handle authority? Very important. What are your feelings about those who rule over us? How do we look at them? Do we respect them? 
What happens when authorities that are over us are corrupt? How do we deal with that? Where do we draw the line when it comes to obedience to the government and then obedience to the Word of God and its principles? Where's the line? By the way, that line might move. We're not going to get into it. What does God tell us about authorities? Those are some questions to think about as we discuss this lesson. And uh, there's no way we could, we could ever uh, cover the topic completely during our time, but uh, I want us to do some serious thinking about the subject of Christians and civil, civil authorities. Now, your ideas may differ from my ideas. There may be some things we can agree on. There may be some things we would never come to the same conclusion on, no matter how hard we try. In some cases, our thoughts and ideas may really have no bearing on right or wrong. Others may be pretty specific when it comes to the scriptures. Not everything we discuss today might be black and white. Some of it might be gray. We may get into some gray areas, but that's okay. A few years after Paul wrote uh, the words to our lesson today, just a few short years after that, he was beheaded by the very authorities that he defends in this chapter. Okay. Uh, in fact, by the time Paul wrote these words, he had been in a lot of trouble with authorities in many places. He had been jailed, he had been beaten, he had been just completely abused. And so you would think by the experiences he had with governing authorities, he may not have had too much good to say about them yet. In this chapter, he comes to government's defense. In the words of our lesson this morning, his words bring up a lot of questions. So we're going to look at uh, our lesson, chapter 13 of Romans, starting with verse 1. So, so here's the question. How do we submit to an authority that is hostile to the cause of Christ? That's a tough question. Uh, other early apostles, uh, such as Peter and John, gave a, a bit of a different idea than what Paul gave us. Uh, in Acts 4, verses 18 through 31, uh, Peter and John really heralded the fact that it's better to be right in the sight of God than man. That was their declaration. Paul says here, to obey those who rule over you. Find that in the first verse of our lesson. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. 
The powers that be are ordained of God. So, uh, I remember when I was younger hearing stories from missionaries uh, who went into countries where the Bible was illegal. And they would smuggle Bibles into these countries. And some of it's still going on today in certain areas of the world. Some over the years have been caught doing it. Others they traced to where they were receiving the Bibles. And those that received the Bibles were in serious trouble. So uh, what an adventure that would be. And what an adventure it must have been. Uh, boy, wouldn't it be great to break the law to do God's will? Okay, so now I started something, didn't I? We're not going to get into it. I will say this. We praise those people who smuggle those Bibles in. We praise them. We're, we're thankful for them. And we believe that God makes that possible. Now, is that disobeying Romans 13? All right. We're not going to get into a discussion this morning. Think about this. Our very own nation was established because of rebellion. We, we, our country came into existence because we rebelled against English authority. Okay? That's how we started our country. Um, during the, the years of the Holocaust, when the Jews were uh, rounded up and killed all around Germany and surrounding countries, many people went along with the government, including preachers, okay? Uh, and they used scripture to justify going along with the government and persecuting the Jews. They used some of the very scriptures in our lesson this morning. Now, we're very quick to stand up and denounce uh, those that didn't do something to help the poor Jews. We're, we're quick to denounce that, okay? Think about it. Think about it. What would you have done if you had neighbor Jews? What have you done like so many of them did? They opened up their door and they shut it and pulled down the shades. There's something to think about. Now, there were others then on the other side of it, such as uh, a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who was a clergyman, he stood up to the government, and in fact, he is known for helping to plant the assassination of Hitler. Clergyman, he's known for helping to plan that assassination. So there were people on the other side of the fence too. Uh, and we know his, his end. He was caught by the Germans and he was hung. Uh, many others risked their lives to save Jewish refugees. Uh, going very deliberately against government authorities. We probably all have read Corey Ten's boom, Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place. Uh, 
And you know what they did. They hid numbers of Jews uh, and saved them from uh, persecution. Many people opposed their efforts. Now, who is interpreting Romans 13 correctly? Let's keep going. Oscar Coleman in his book, The State in the New Testament, says this, and I quote from his book, Few sayings in the New Testament have suffered as much misuse as the one referred to in Romans 13, verse 2, which says, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So what is Paul saying about our responsibilities to God and our responsibilities to the government? So first of all, we need to try to understand Romans 13 in light of its context, okay? In the latter part of Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about the fact that vengeance is not ours to take, but vengeance belongs to God. When we get to chapter 13, he tells us about God's agents that are used to execute his wrath. And he says, in the governments that rule the earth, God's word tells us that the authority they have have been given them by him. So what he's saying is, Government authorities have that authority because I gave it to them. God gave it to them. Oh boy, we have a kettle of fish now, do we not? How, it's hard for me to imagine that our current administration and their authority is God-given. Kind of hard to understand that. And we're getting somewhere, we'll get there, okay, so... Don't fall off the boat. Okay, obviously governments are very unfaithful to God in many, many ways. And they use their authority against the will of God. Now, does that give us a right to take matters into our own hands? Do we have a right then to take a gun and go shoot an abortion doctor? No, that does not give us that right. There are people that do that type of thing that claim the word of God in doing that. Hmm. We should not. Our responsibility is to pray for our government and to pray for our authorities. We have the opportunity to make our voices known at the ballot box. That's how we handle authority. We don't take up the sword. That's not how we handle it. So, my advice to you is vote early and vote often. <laughs> I was just listening to a little bit of Stand in the Gap. How many of you listen to Stand in the Gap? Okay. When, when I can, I do. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, depending where I'm at. Uh, they were talking about uh, the difference between an absentee ballot and a mail-in ballot, okay? 
and they were talking about the problem with the uh, mail-in ballots. I mean, that can be a serious problem if it's not governed correctly. And, uh, but my advice is go and vote this one time, please, but go and do it. Now, we get into another issue when we talk about uh, civil authorities and governments and the Bible and God's Word, and that is there are some Christians today who believe that we should not have anything to do with the government at all, okay? Uh, if you go back into the Word of God, there's other examples uh, of, of people who were involved in the government. Uh, if, you, if you go into Romans, you can, or Acts, you can read about uh, Cornelius. You can read about the jailer at Philippi. All of these people found the Lord, but nowhere does it say they left the government. They were Romans. It doesn't say that, okay, now they became a Christian and they became a preacher. No, it doesn't say that. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that the Philippian jailer probably continued to be a jailer. Who knows? Okay. Uh, so, other individuals in the past uh, stood on their uh, pacifist uh, ideas. Uh, such as uh, David Lipscomb and Harding and other leaders during uh, the last number of centuries have been pacifists, all right? Believe that you shouldn't be involved in government at all. And then there were others like James Garfield, Alexander Campbell, who were involved actively in politics and governmental matters. So, me personally... Now, I feel like we need more Christians in government. We need more Christians in government today. Uh, and I'm certainly in favor of Christians serving in the military. God bless Travis Zimmerman and others who can still stand for their faith, but they can be involved in serving our country. Now, that's my opinion. Uh, there are others who do not share that opinion. Uh, many of the, uh, the, the Amish and Mennonite neighbors that we have, and even some holiness people would, would, would challenge my opinion and say that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be involved in military action as Christians. So here's my thought on that. I don't feel like my position or their position is necessary worthy of an argument. I don't think it's worthy of an argument. Uh, I don't think it's a heaven or hell issue. Uh, I feel strongly that we should be willing to serve our country. Uh, but those that feel like they shouldn't take up arms, I certainly respect that opinion as well. All right, so then if we put section one of our lesson and section two of our lesson, which we haven't read, this morning. We haven't read much of our, our lesson at all, but if we put those two sections together, I think we can sum it up this way, okay? Christians are to be good citizens and demonstrate submission to our governing powers in this way. 
We are to obey the law. We are to pay our taxes, whether we like it or not. We should have a proper attitude toward our authorities, and we should always pray for them. That's the stand I feel like we should take. And you can read about it in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Uh, sometimes I feel like we talk too negatively about our governmental situations when we should actually be taking that time to pray for them. And that's convicting. That's convicting to me because I hate like everything what's going on in D.C. I just hate it. It's corrupt. It's wicked. And uh, I just don't like it. I hate it. But we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. And, and we could talk about, you know, both sides. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. There's, there's corruption everywhere. Yes. What is the true ruling authority of the United States? Is it the government officials who have been elected, or is it the U.S. Constitution and the state constitution? And therefore, which are we to obey? There you go. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing this lesson, because we talk about democracy this, democracy that, and, and it's, we're really a republic, all right? And uh, the, the, the states have powers. And we, we should be living by the Constitution of the United States. And we're going to talk about a little bit more about that because I, I want to get to a point here. But you're exactly right. The question is, yes, what do we live by? Whether what the, the governing authorities say, uh, the Supreme Court, OK, should be able to define the Constitution and describe what it is. And again, there we go. Who, who's to say? All right, because we know how that can go. There's just too much, too much, too many politics involved in the Supreme Court, in my opinion. All right, so the question is, which governing authority has God's endorsement? That was my next, Brother Mike, that, that was my next thing right there. Which governing authority has God's endorsement? To which flag does the Christian give his allegiance? What rulers are we taught to pray for? Should we pray equally for those in authority that we like as well as those that we don't like? I honestly think there are people, and I'm not one of them, thank God, but, but I honestly think there are people that won't pray for our president because they don't like him. Boy, don't you think you ought to pray more for people that you don't care for? Oh, we all prayed for President Trump. Oh, boy, you know. This is all part of it, okay? Uh, in reality, everyone in leadership and in authority in our country needs our prayers. How should we pray? 
Well, this is the way I pray. Save their souls. That's how I pray. Lord, save them and help them. Help them to govern. Help the Supreme Court to make the right decisions based on our Constitution. That's how they're supposed to rule, by the interpretation of the Constitution. All three branches of our government, executive, legislative, judicial, all of them need our prayers this morning. And they need our respect as well. Even if we don't agree, we still have the obligation to respect those in authority. And I don't care which president it would be, if they came into our church this morning, they deserve respect. The position deserves respect, even if we don't like the way things are going. All right, so let's go to verse 7. Paul says in verse 7, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. So he reminds us here of our citizenship in heaven. Uh, we're ambassadors this morning for the Lord. We are working for a kingdom that's not of this world. In fact, our king that we serve is the king of all of the world. He is Lord of all this world's Lord. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He holds all the authority. All the world's authorities are his servants. And by the way, God uses wicked authority as well as righteous authority to accomplish his will. He always has. He still does. So always remember that when you complain about the way the world is trending, God is still in control, and there's reasons for all of it. How do we get to the end of this world without problems coming to this world? If we, we talk about the end is coming, well, then prepare for bad things. Because it's the way it's going to be. Uh, think about what Jesus had to say. And what Jesus did when it comes to authority. Um, he did not submit to wicked governing authorities. Let me, let me put that. I read that wrong. Did he not submit to wicked governing authorities when he was arrested and put on trial. He did. He submitted to those government authorities. Remember what his words to Pilate were? And they're kind of echoed in this chapter. Pilate was uh, very frustrated with Jesus and said, do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you? I have authority to crucify you? And then Jesus said this. He said, well, Pilate, you wouldn't have any authority over me unless it had been given from above. 
He said, for this reason, he who delivered me up to you has the greater sin. John, verse, John 9, verses 10 through 11. Now, by saying that and taking that attitude today, that doesn't mean Christians should agree or participate in the evils of evil governments. So uh, our submission to the government does not extend to the disobedience of God's word. All right? That's where we're going here. That's the punchline for the lesson, okay? Uh, in the days of the early church, uh, when the apostles were arrested, they were submissive to the authorities up until they were ordered to disobey God. That's when the line is drawn in the sand, okay? So that's the way we need to treat this whole idea of civil authorities, all right? Uh, at the point where they were forced or tried to be forced into disobeying God, that's when they claimed the higher authority, all right? Uh, they said that they were going to do good even when the governing authority wanted them to do evil. And you can read about lots of other Christians who took that same stand. You can read about them in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. <laughs> That's where you can read about those who took their stand against some of the uh, cruel leaders like uh, Nero and some of those. Uh, at some point in time, they had to say, okay, uh, I'm going to be a Christian regardless. You can light a fire under my feet, but I'm still going to serve God. And I think, I think that, should be, that should be where we go today with this. So the exception to the rule that allows us to disobey authorities is when it conflicts with God's word. So we are responsible to be upstanding citizens in our communities. It's part of God's will for our lives. We are to be salt. We are to be light among those that we work with. We glorify God by being peaceful and live quiet lives. We proclaim the message of the cross. We confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and we live as good citizens, respecting and obeying the laws of the land in which we live. So, if our allegiance to Jesus is first, which it should be, we cannot obey the government if it contradicts the Word of God. But we can be submissive in every other way, even if it's difficult or costly or seems unnecessary. When copyright laws, and boy, dare I say this, because we're probably all guilty of this, speed limits, tax obligations, uh, other laws, when we just simply casually break them, uh, then we demonstrate to the world that we're no different than what they are. We really need to be careful, folks, about some of these things. Uh, I really believe it. Uh, because we are called 
to be a separate people. We are called to be different from the world. So what happens when we dress the same as the world? Or we drive the same as the world? Or we talk the same as the world? Or we act the same as the world? Where is the salt? Where is the light? So here we have the world. Here we have the church. So when the world goes this way, does the church try to hurry up and keep up with the world? It should not be that way. It should not be that way. There was an excellent illustration in our teacher's quarterly. I don't know if it was in the, the other quarterly or not. It's called Christians Obey the Law. I don't know if that's in there or not, but let me just read this because I thought it was quite interesting. A student of a Bible institute was traveling on a highway at a terrific rate of speed. Overtaken by a traffic cop, the student was ordered to curb his car, pull over. Timely and golden were the words spoken by the officer to the student. Because on the student's vehicle were printed the words, Jesus saves. This is what the officer said. Your willful violation of the law and your endangering innocent lives, as well as your own by the illegal and dangerous speed at which you were traveling is greatly at variance with the words printed on your car and brings no honor to the one of whom your motto speaks. About that time, I would want to go through the bottom of my car <laughs> if that ever happened to me. Oh, my. And it could well have. And I hate to say that it has happened to me in the past. But I didn't have Jesus saves on my car like I do now. <clears throat> well, again... We could talk about that, and, and again, I could go around the room and, um, excuse me, there would be probably some in here that would say, uh, if you're speeding and you're breaking the law, that's a sin. There would probably be some here that would say, well, I don't know if that's really a sin or if it isn't a sin. Uh, and then there would be some here that would say, Wow, that's not even important. Okay, so I don't know where we're at with all that. But uh, they put those speed limit signs up there for a reason. And it, it definitely is a safe way to go. Okay, now I did get behind someone one time who was driving about 20 miles an hour, which is, is actually just as illegal if you're on an interstate. Okay. Uh, I got behind someone that was driving about 20 miles an hour one time, and, and when I approached their bumper <laughs> without hitting their bumper, uh, I, I happened to notice a little bumper that said on there, speed kills. <laughs> and I thought to myself, buddy, oh boy, that is an understatement. Speed kills. All right, we're not going to talk about that anymore this morning. As Christians, we should be different. Christ calls us to a higher standard. So let's get to the third section of our lesson, 
quickly, we've already talked about our responsibilities to governing authorities, and I, I hope I haven't muddied the waters this morning. I said some of it would be gray, and some of it was gray. Okay? Uh, I, I hope you have a good, good opinion uh, of, of the way things should be handled. So the third section of our lesson talks about Christian citizens and the obligations we have. And, and for sake of time, I, I really wanted to read this together. Uh, there's so many good things in there, but for sake of time, we'll just, we'll not do that. But let me just say this about the last section of our lesson. Uh, first of all, we are obligated to love others. That's the number one thing I want to notice in this particular section. Verse 8 says, We should owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Jesus himself said, We are to love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, and that next we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. So love is the obligation that we have as Christians to love to love our authorities, to pray for our authorities. In an address to a state Sunday school convention one time, Dwight Moody said, and I quote, he said, be kind and conquer by love. If a man has his heart full of love and a little bit of common sense, he will succeed, unquote. Uh, a community, a nation, can function well if people treat others rightly. And that's really where we're at in this country. That's a, big, that's a big problem in our world. If we could just treat others with respect and love, it's easy. It's easy. That's what the Bible says, to love one another. If, we, if, if everyone out there, we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves if all of a sudden everybody loved everyone and there was no more killing, there was no more disobe disobeying the law. It's really simple. Verse 10 of our lesson says that love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. This world would be a different place to live if everyone followed those scriptures. Verse 14 tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Very simply put, that means we should be so intimate with Christ that it totally shapes our lifestyle. Totally shapes our lifestyle. A Christian should do what is right because he knows it's the right thing to do. James, James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So then not only is a Christian obligated to love others, there's another thing in this last section that's very important, and that is we are to be on the lookout for the coming of the Lord. Beginning at verse 11, we find that Christian citizens are to be living as if the Lord would come at any moment. We are to arouse ourselves, awaken, and be prepared. For the, the verse says, uh, salvation is nearer than we first believed. We're to be engaged in spiritual battles fought around us. We're to be serious about living for the Lord. Verse 13 tells us that we're not to parade around living like the world, indulging ourselves in the pleasures of the world, but we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and put off the flesh. 
So in waiting on the return of the Lord, this is what we need to do to be good citizens. First, we are to pray for our government. Second, we need to pay our government. Even though they keep sending billions of dollars to places where they shouldn't be sending it. And we have lots of needs in this country. Can you imagine if they just said, okay, we're going to take $100 billion and we're going to turn it over to the people of this country? Man, do you realize what that would do? People, people could get out of debt. People would put more money in banks. Everybody would prosper if everybody all of a sudden gained a lot of money. Well, boy, that wasn't in my notes. So second, we pay our government. Thirdly, we are to praise our government. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Well, let's think about the good things, okay? There are some good things that happen in our government, believe it or not. Let's just praise when praise is due. All right, right now, no one's shouting, okay? Because we all agree that there's not that much to praise right now. All right, and then the fourth and final thing, we should participate in our government. It was founded on biblical values, and, and you know, I can take you to many other countries that are worse off than what we are. So we need to praise the Lord and we need to participate. Uh, we need to engage ourselves as much as we can. Uh, if, if we all put ourselves into certain things, uh, I think we could see some changes. If all the genuine Christians in this country got truly involved, you would see a difference and some things that would happen. We need to do everything we can to be biblical New Testament Christian citizens. Well, I guess I'm going to just leave you with this. Pray. Pray for our government. Let's be obedient. Let's do what we're supposed to do. Uh, unless it violates God's, God's word. So far, we've been, we've been very fortunate on that, in that regards in this country. We've not been forced to do some things that other people around the world have been forced to do. And we've not had to face that. But thank God we are where we are, and it's not any worse. But let's do our part, most of all, to pray for our country. Thank you for your attention.